gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then, well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 79, the review episode for Friday, July 23rd? What's it's getting late. It, no, it's not the 23rd. It's not the 23rd. No, no, no. It is the 24th. Hey, it's even later than we thought it was. Summer days, um, you know? I know. Time enjoy, just blurs. Enjoy that heat wave while it lasts. Uh, we're going to do some quick hit reviews of three movies that are opening this week, and I've been told I have to start with Pixels. <laughs> Sorry. It's the big one. Yeah. uh, I think David had some very specific questions about Pixels and how the hell it happened. So, Oh, I don't know how specific. My questions do trend towards the nerdy, though. I would like... uh, You should set it up first, but I I do want to know how specific the references get. Wow. Um, Back in the 80s, Adam Sandler... Uh, Kevin Jane and Kevin James were best friends, and they... And you were going through a lot of detail already. Wow. Okay, fine. They are master gamers, and they have this big tournament, and they meet young Peter Dinklage, and they meet young Josh Gad. Catapult to the future, Adam Sandler, despite the fact that he is a brilliant uh, Galaga player, turns out to just be like part of the nerd bar at your Best Buy or whatever. He turns out Galaga is not a uh, employable <laughs> yeah. skill. Everyone thought he would go to MIT because he was really good at detecting the patterns in retro games. Alas, that does not get you into MIT. It gets you into MIT, Mississippi Institute of Technology. A big F you to that college I if it's real. I hope the people of uh, Mississippi are mad about Yeah, that. they should be. They should be. Um, so, yeah, Adam Sandler's installing televisions. And uh, and meanwhile, Kevin James became the president of the United States. <laughs> With no explanation. Well, everyone laughs at it because he can't read, and yet he became a politician, which I guess is kind of funny. Is that um, pointed political humor? Yeah, a little weird. Uh, across the uh, the planet, Guam is under attack by uh, aliens who seem to be imitating the video games, not just beamed out for space by no reason, specifically the video games that Adam Sandler played at this world gaming tournament that were preserved on, like, cassette tape. And Although shot it's unclear space. why that matters. Like, why wait, 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 just wait, 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 wait. So all of the game references in this movie are from the whenever that tournament was, the late 80s, the early 90s? Yeah, like 1982. So all like retro very, games. Very it's all, uh, it's not all that like I don't love retro games, but it's just a whole – it makes sure that you're going only for people who are going to recognize – these things on like Urban Outfitters designs and yeah. there's... Or for kids who will know none of this. Ugh. Yeah, but kids could recognize Donkey Kong and Pac-Man and then yeah. in the fury of the, the grand finale there, was a, there are a million references that the, the parents will get. But mostly it's like Pong. Everyone knows Pong. Um, Frogger. Yeah, Frogger shows up. It's... Qbert is actually like the Ted of this movie. For some <laughs> reason. Um, but yeah, so aliens invade Guam and they they declare war on Earth. And Kevin James, without much a clue of how to fight these things, recruits Adam Sandler and Josh Gad, masters of the gaming verse. Actually, instead of calling them Ghostbusters because they're not fighting ghosts, they're called Arcaders. Because yep. they're fighting arcade games. This is before Sony realized they could remake Ghostbusters. They made this instead. Yeah, exactly. Actually, that is that is clearly true. 
Uh, they would love this to be a franchise based on the end with their, oh, with their arcader suits and shit. Um, and Michelle Monaghan is also there. She at first Monaghan. Adam Sandler is yeah, Monaghan. Oh, sorry, Michelle Monaghan. Um, Adam Sandler is installing televisions in Michelle Monaghan's house. They have a meet cute. It's very disturbing and poorly written. Um, and then it turns out she works for the president too. She's in the military. <gasps> what? Yes. A woman in the military? No. She's a she's a stern lady who's in charge and doesn't have time to laugh at Adam Sandler's jokes, but I bet she can be persuaded. She's a real bitch. But maybe she has a heart of gold. We'll see. It depends how many lasers she can shoot. Uh, yeah. Adam Sandler and her work together to build a weapons that can shoot these crazy retro game designs a bunch of stupid shit happens and there's some actually there's some pretty cool action scenes in the movie i think this movie was directed by chris columbus um you know it, it might it might feel like it's indebted to scott pilgrim in a way uh only because of the retro blocky designs you know everything these aliens touch turns to blocks pixel well, blocks based on a short film as well yeah it i remember is. that short film that blew up i mean the short film is literally it spaceships no that look it. like the space invaders launching is, other videos. Is that characters. short film not in turn based on, I say with finger quotes, a Futurama episode, perchance? Well, we'd have to check the so. dates on that. When was the Futurama episode? I don't know. A long time ago now. Yeah, the short film came well, that, out like five years ago, maybe. No, that that Pixel short film. Well, you might be right. 2010? Okay, I'll give it to you. Um, they've been trying to turn this into a movie for quite some time. They have. But, uh, Katie, what did you think of this movie? Because I. I, I am mixed negative on it, as I said before the podcast. The action, Chris Columbus. I mean, the man knows what he's doing. Um, like when when Adam Sandler picks up a giant Donkey Kong hammer and starts smashing Pac Man in the face or whatever. That kind of stuff is fun. Yeah, those action scenes and are fun. It There's a really lot of, like, works. Fun, very innocuous and kind of bland action scenes that have the benefit of these really visually weird. Uh, pixelated monsters kind of flying through them. I mean, there's a scene in London and you get like a big centipede worm that's crashing through buildings and it looks kind of funky. And We're blasting a behind an old lady doing exercise videos. Yeah, there's like, there's sight gags and there's inventive stuff in the way all of that works. And then, you know, even then like the meet cue with Michelle Monaghan when she yells back at him, like, I can, I'm crying and drinking in the closet. Like, it's a little funny. There's lines in there. There's like, weird kind of bro-y humor. It's like in any Adam Sandler movie, you're going to get a line or two that makes you laugh. But it does, it's so formulaic. It's so exactly what you think it's going to be. It's got the three battle sequences. You really know what you're in for from the moment any one character shows up on screen and doesn't have any spirit behind it, really. Like, the idea of Adam Sandler saving the world is so weird that you'd kind of want it to be funny on its face but it doesn't work that way like it's uh i mean chris columbus i think is a competent filmmaker but isn't going to add any spark to it and adam sandler sandler has no personality it's very strange no he really doesn't he's just like the dude who's friends with the president and kind of ribs him and like teases everybody i mean he and michelle monaghan like flirt by sticking their tongues out at each other but that's not really interesting either it's like a weird kind of void at the center of the movie not that i expected adam sandler to be like this charisma bomb but yeah, it doesn't go anywhere with a lot of the things that it's got. Going. I mean, but it's so bland <laughs> that you don't—you're not really disappointed in it, like not living up to expectations. It's just—it's just there. Kevin James has a bigger personality; is like more fun. In Kevin this James movie. is always better than Adam Sandler in the movie <laughs> together every time. Okay, that's that's the line at which point <laughs> I, I think it's time to move on from this mortal coil forever. Oh uh, no, Kevin James is kind of fun of this movie. He's it's not the fall down shtick. He is a goofball, but I mean, like I he's like He's a competent president? 
He, he, they're poking the George W. Bush. I mean, this movie feels archaic. It's old school jokes all the way, and they are riffing on GW. There, and it's just Scott like, Scott movie mans me. Are, are we are we seeing this or are we? Seeing it's it? not that easy. I can't just say see it. Um, wow. Listen, I'll tell you I didn't why. Say that being Scott movie mans was easy. Okay, <laughs> if it were easy, it wouldn't pay the big bucks. I'm just saying. He's really carrying a cross all the time, trying what, to just say see it. What is it? Uh, there there are. You know, there are bursts of character that are very funny. Peter Diglidge is basically playing Billy Mitchell in this movie from King mm. of Kong. And he can be very funny at times, I have to say, with his crazy wig and his cartoonish antics. And he has this weird accent. I don't know. I just enjoyed whatever he popped up. Out. Yeah, I don't know. And Josh Gad is another mixed bag. Sometimes it's just like all of his lines are falling flat. All of the dialogue. There's a scene where he's first describing to Adam Sandler this discovery that aliens have reaped the iconography of retro games and are invading the planet in his mom's basement. He's screaming at his mother, and he's just such an asshole. Like, can every man in this movie just stop mistreating women for two seconds? No, And enjoy life? Like, they're all screaming at women. And later in the movie, Josh Gad actually gets a trophy wife, um, which is one of the most despicable things you'll see in a movie in 2015. She is, okay, she is the video game character he's been in love with his whole life. She comes to life as one of the invading pixel armies, but then she's not pixelated for some reason. And then they fight, and then they kiss, and then later in the movie, he gets to marry her. And literally at no point does she have, does she speak? It is... So insane. It's atrocious. It's atrocious. And then there's a cameo from Martha Stewart in which she is uh, having sex with Peter Dinklage. Spoiler, and she also has no lines of dialogue. And so even that's the, two women with yeah. no lines. Even the way Sandler treats Monaghan in this movie, I find pretty <sighs> despicable as well. But Josh Gad, so Katie, the one scene I wanted to ask you about specifically was Josh Gad has a scene where he's yelling at Navy SEALs and trying yeah. to inspire them. And he calls them women is like the most horrible insult he can come up with. Yeah, he keeps doing that, and yet I'm still kind of chuckling. I mean, maybe Gad is just good at being a little wimp who's screaming his ass off and that's what I yeah, find Yeah, I mean, funny. there's other things he says but in I'm there like we're just too. kind of stringing nonsense words together a long time trying to like rile them up and then I was like, oh God, he's just going to start calling them little girls, isn't he? And then he did and I was like, dude. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the problems. thing about Sandler movies is like, <laughs> They could have the joke just where it is, and they don't care if anyone gets offended by him calling the Navy SEALs women. It just doesn't seem like they there. think about it. Like, this yeah, joke would have been no funny. Women in that writer's room. They don't think about what women were going to get out of this movie at any point. Right. The, the, that joke would have been funny in 1988, like perhaps. What yeah, was that? Nobody, nobody cares if women like this movie, so maybe. Oh, we, exactly. I, I, uh, we have officially talked about this movie for too long. All right, wait, fine. What was it? Wait, I have to give men. a shout-out to Qbert. Oh. He's I I actually in it. like started tearing up laughing from something in this movie involving Qbert and our colleague Matt Singer of Film Spotting SVU. Uh, he he had to look over and like ask me if I was okay because I was laughing you. so hard and it wasn't like a really funny joke. But they dress Qbert up in a tuxedo and he has this voice. It's so weird and that Qbert becomes such a big character in the movie. He just follows Adam Sandler around, and sometimes Adam Sandler is talking to Michelle Monaghan, and Qbert will just be there watching them. <laughs> Even thinking about it now makes me laugh. Uh, uh, so get ready for the Qbert spinoff. So see it. Yeah, no, I think I think Qbert and Sandler in like a Ted comedy could be very funny. All right, speaking of boy movies, Southpaw. Oh, yeah. Got my right hook ready for this one. In terms David of, has been calling know. this movie as garbage from the very beginning. Most people didn't listen to him. Patches, is it garbage? 
Why would you call it garbage? David? Because David, David did it first. Uh, because uh, I happen to think that the director of a movie can influence the final product, even in Hollywood. <laughs> and if you look at Antoine Fuqua's directing career, uh, even Training Day, which was far and away his best movie, um, and it's still deeply flawed. Uh, the rest of his movies are all hot, rancid New York City in the height of summer garbage. And anyone who was excited for this movie because of, the, or, or not, I mean, you're allowed to be excited for it for whatever reason you want, but but thought it would be good, genuine, genuinely good, uh, by virtue of the trailers and Jake Gyllenhaal finally winning the Oscar that he deserved for Nightcrawler, <laughs> etc. Uh, you are delusional. You are crazy people. You have to look at wh- who's making these things. You're wasting your breath and my time. Stop. Of course, Southpaw is terrible. I didn't see it, but I think Patches, who did, can probably back me up. Hey, 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 hey. Let's go easy on this movie. It's awful. It's <laughs> terrible. Fuck this movie. It's so bad. Um, it's astonishing because Jake Gyllenhaal clearly gave himself over to this picture. I mean, he's ripped ten times over. He's And he's bl- just like always bleeding from his mouth. It looks like he took real hits. He just looks all banged up. And the the boxing scenes that he in, he's in, I mean, he gives them a visceral quality just because of how jacked up he is. But, like, there's no tension in this movie. No fight is interesting ever. Uh, and that's what this movie has to offer, right? Crazy fight scenes with Jake Gyllenhaal's brutality. Um, this movie just goes through every single boxing movie trope you've ever imagined in the most Antoine Fuqua way. That's the only way to describe it. Uh, it's just basic level filmmaking throughout. Um, there's no twist. It's exactly how you think it's going to operate. You know, they set Rachel McAdams up for, you know, failure, her fall. He, she plays the wife of Jake Gyllenhaal's Billy Hope. That's his name. Billy Hope, yeah. gonna fight his way back. He's got hope. Still um, not worse than Keller Dover in uh, Prisoners, but okay. Every, everything is so, the, the, it's forecast from the very beginning, telegraphed, and, and there's no tension. It's amazing. Like he And Jake Gyllenhaal's character loves his family, and he's very much in the boxing world and committed to taking on one of these um, young guys who smack talks all the time. And of course there's gang violence. Of course there's drug abuse. Of course there's court battles over his child's custody. Of course there's like tense scenes where he's training so that he can be a great father one day and get his daughter back. Of course there's training so that he can, you know, the movie's called South Paul and they don't really even make a big deal about that. Like there's no fighting. There's no problem about fighting. It's about him being a good guy. Uh, Forrest Whitaker shows up to play his his mentor and and train him back to the top. I mean, this movie is exactly what you think it is, and I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure what the point was. Just except to, to get Jake Gyllenhaal bulking huge muscles. That's I don't Jake know. Gyllenhaal you you said like, he was going to get an Oscar, Katie. What the I fuck? No, I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, but like I know that the wine scenes have been putting a ton of muscle behind it, trying to get people to pay attention to it and talk as if he's going to get an Oscar for it. I think that, that doesn't mean any. That doesn't mean he deserves it. But I, that is the context in which this movie has been sold to me multiple times. It's interesting that Eminem was going to be in this movie, and you don't want to think too much about the movie that could have been. But having like Kurt Sutter of Sons of Anarchy writing this movie, you thought it would have a lot more danger. And I think Eminem would have brought a little more. Hmm, what's the street cred? Is that does that make sense? You like, want to say that? Nothing well, well, street, street cred, cred like Eminem. I guess what I mean by street cred is Jake Gyllenhaal came from a very like affluent family, and he doesn't seem like he has a real toughness to him, and I guess that's an insult, but Eminem just seems like someone 
you could yank off the street and train into a killer. I don't know. There's a difference there. There's a there's a grit that I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal has. He can play a little crazy. Supposed to be that he makes himself a chameleon. Like I mean, this is his like. Yeah, I've never really bought into that. For a role in the last couple years, he loves to transform, but does he ever? I mean, Nightcrawler was definitely pushing him in one direction, Mm -hmm. the crazy pants direction. But I don't see him disappear into a lot of movies. I mean, I don't think actors disappearing ever works for me, so I'm a bad judge of that. But I thought, I mean, Nightcrawler worked really effectively. I think think it worked with his natural qualities. But I think Jake Gyllenhaal is constantly trying to bulk up and prove his, like, huge macho-ness in a lot of different films. And it's, uh, I don't know. I think that actors bring a lot of baggage to movies. And the reason 8 Mile, I thought, was a really fun, captivating movie is because it was built around Eminem. It was trying to utilize his real-life story and taking it and fictionalizing it and manipulating it with new angles and new characters. And you can see how, when this movie was conceived, you know, his struggles with his daughter and his wife and his family and his career, that seems to warp what a boxing narrative would be. And with Jake Gyllenhaal involved and just kind of lowest common denominator filmmaking and choices, it's just another boxing movie. We don't need mm. it. So there you go. Snap. All right, guys. What movie should we actually see this weekend? Phoenix. It's called Phoenix. Set it uh, up. this movie? Well, it's essentially, uh, I mean, the truth, truth be told, I'm going to be doing a, this movie a disservice, which is why we're only going to talk about it quickly. I haven't seen it all the way through since uh, Toronto last September when I had my bags packed and was squeezing in one last movie before I went to the airport because I heard it was so excellent that the ending in particular was something that I would always remember and uh, here we are almost a year later and the movie is just sitting theater so I'm very glad that I was able to squeeze it into my schedule um, Phoenix which I think is one of the year's best films is uh, the latest teaming of Christian Petzold and Nina Haas who are German filmmakers a film a writer director and uh, an actress who um, uh, have made a string of incredible movies, Jericho, Barbara, and now Phoenix, which plays a lot like a, uh, I don't want to say an update, but a riff on Vertigo uh, that moves the the basic tenets of the story to po- immediately post-World War to Germany, uh, where Nina Haas plays a disfigured concentration camp survivor who is completely unrecognizable, or so we're led to believe, after having massive facial reconstructive surgery. In this movie, even though it will... It hits with a rare force does require, like Vertigo did, a certain suspension of disbelief. Um, And she searches Berlin for her husband, who she thinks betrayed her to the Nazis. And she was a singer and she meets him again. And she gets he decides to pretend like they're going to they're going to pretend that his wife uh, is his wife. Like he doesn't know it's actually her. But in order to get her insurance money. Uh, they are going to fool her family into thinking that she's alive, that it's her, even though she is alive. Um, and he, it's up for debate, is either in severe denial or is genuinely, um, is genuinely confused. And the movie progresses. I could see World unlike, War II and the Holocaust being something that rattles that your brain you to the point bit, of confusion. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think but there are larger, more timeless themes that can be extrapolated from the story about how partners see one another in relationship and so on. Uh, but I think even uh, Patches, as you were saying, I think its connection to the Holocaust um, is strong enough in and of itself. In and in, in the denial involved in that, and in, in, in enabling it to happen, and in often cases, uh, just as upsettingly, in the denial that it did happen. Um, 
Phoenix is it's a movie uh, it, it's it's a very lush movie-ish movie uh, we're keeping this short so I can say stupid things like that I would but, second that stupid uh, thing. Um, no he's is, right he's right I was absolutely drunk on the uh, uh, how much it sort of goes for that how unafraid it is of its own melodrama and you know it can be really obnoxious when people chomp at the bit about the the ending of a particular film I think it sets up difficult expectations and it can make you sort of tune out of what's happening because you're thinking ahead. Uh, I'd encourage you not to do that. I think every step of the story along the way is satisfying in its own right, but whoa. But the ending's a pretty big knockdown. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think Uh, that was one of my misgivings. It's not like a big twist. It's just so well done. No, it's, it's a perfect crescendo moment, but for me, I wanted a few grace notes because of how long and how arduous the journey to that finale is. I think there's a tighter version of this movie that I would have really that would have really blown me away. I don't think I'm as infatuated as you are with it. I think Nina Haas is pretty extraordinary. Just she can stand in a room and her gaze is enough for me to watch endlessly. I think the the machinations of the plot end up being kind of a drag at times, just how many things that her husband tries to get her to do and that she tries to do and fails to do and then succeeds to do. It feels very repetitive and it's supposed to, um, but that can, that can kind of pull things down, but it's a beautiful, I mean, it's a beautiful film. It's, as you said, it's like take, it's luxuriating in its imagery. It's luxuriating in having wonderful performances. And then it just is like mic drop right at the end. Um, and maybe you don't need to know more. I wanted to know more, but so it is. I don't know if I need to know more. I'm super intrigued. Well, he meant he wanted to know more after oh, he after saw the, the movie. I want Phoenix uh, 2, Phoenix Rising. The, the Phoenix Saga. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and there wasn't enough Qbert. I think we can all agree. Mm, Retro gaming yeah. is in, and just because the Holocaust, the Holocaust doesn't mean you out. shouldn't have obnoxious <laughs> references to 80s video games. Where are they? Yeah, I think that's uh, an inarguable point you're making there. Uh, is Phoenix but available Phoenix, on VOD or is it only in theaters? It's not. It's coming out at the IFC Center here in New York, which means you can all shame us for being New Yorkers, elitists, what have you. Um, but it will inevitably make it to VOD. Yeah, it should be pretty widely available before uh, when it actually matters, which, of course, in our world is for the Oscar end of the year. Season. So uh, not Oscar season, but just the end of the calendar year. Uh, when I think there'll be no way around talking about what happens at the end of this movie. So do yourself a favor, keep it on your radar, and see it as soon as you can. And some of it's in English, so. Oh, hey, there you go. Even (laughs) Katie, who doesn't read read. subtitles. Perfect, perfect. (laughs) You're the president. This is a movie for me. lightning round question gooby dooby doo thanks for asking um that wasn't even close to what he would say in honor of pixels what's an adam sandler movie moment that still makes you laugh hey david Uh, the question made me laugh it was so funny wow dave what's your david i'll go with brian zitzelman at brian zitzelman who references the moment from I believe it's Billy Madison, is it not? Where the guy says, everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That's the one I picked earlier. Too fucking bad. <laughs> it is really funny, though. I'm laughing. There you go. 
Um, who am I going to pick? I actually just lost my answer because I scrolled way too far down and I don't know how to use technology. Actually, I'm going to go with at Visual Edge Chris, who said uh, when Adam Sandler gets punched out by Bob Barker in Happy Gilmore, which I'm I, easy joke, I guess, but hysterical. I'm going with Jeremy Solly, who says a prolonged shot of the clown lying on the ground, presumably dead in Billy Madison, because that's a, that's a darkness that I feel like Adam Sandler needs to get back. So basically what we're saying is Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore stand the test of time and none of the other movies have fun. I really like The Wedding Singer, but uh, I didn't want to sing the the answer that was The Wedding Singer, so I picked something else. Probably the best female lead in an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, I mean, because she's actually... By a long a, shot. She actually has a character without him, has a scene without him in it, so that's already... That's a low bar. <laughs> uh, okay. That does it for this week's Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back next week. Summer movie season rolls on. Jake Gyllenhaal continues to win Oscars, as determined by me, for movies I haven't seen. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches. I am a senior writer for Esquire.com, and I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. I'm David Ehrlich. I'm the associate film editor of Time Out New York and editor-at-large of Little White Lies magazine. You can find me on Twitter, making fun of Jeff Wells, at David Ehrlich. Oh, what Jeff Wells do now? I'll find out. I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at VanityFair.com or on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Don't taste down my back and tell me it's